0: <laughs> we just
1: wanna. Hi, my name is Marie White, and I'd like to welcome you to the podcast, The White Bikini. Joining me this evening is my co-host, Nicholas Banton. How are you, Nicholas? I
0: wish I could say I was good, Marie, but I'm not. All these mass shootings, the death, the pain, the injuries, the loss of precious lives, I don't know what to do with the way I feel because On one hand, I feel that our leaders could be or should be doing something more. But on the other hand, there's a part of me that feels a bit nihilistic about it, that it's just too late. Our society is broken, at least for several generations to come until we realize that we don't need the guns at the rate that they exist in our society. But I don't want to rant. Uh, I'll save that for later on. I'll let you introduce the topic and break down the presentation.
1: Tonight's podcast is I Don't Like Mondays, the mass shooting crisis in America. Before coming on to the podcast this evening, Nick and I discovered there was another mass shooting right outside Maryland, right on the border of Pennsylvania, where three people were killed. And I normally, when I start the podcast, I like to kind of have a history of the, the mass shootings, how many people were killed unfortunately i realized i could take up the entire podcast time of making that list the first mass shooting that i think is in the american conscious is columbine which is over 20 some years ago now i remember when it happened i remember seeing it on the news I remember Rosie O'Donnell being very disturbed about it and Michael Moore's documentary Bowling for Columbine. But I never thought in my lifetime I would see a mass shooting happening almost daily. And I'd like to try to flesh out tonight, how did we get here and how do we get out of here? And I'd like to share, You know, why don't you share some of your thoughts with me, Nick?
0: Well, my initial thoughts are on one hand, hopelessness, and on the other hand, frustration. And that's not a good combination. But I'll try to be a little bit more positive about this, because I, I, every time we do these podcasts, I want it to be instructive. I think it's important to understand that, at least recognize and acknowledge that as a community of Americans, our society is broken. I think for us to try to salve over this mass shooting crisis and say, well, you know, it's something that happens in Chicago. It's something that happens in Philadelphia. Tell that to the kids at Columbine. Tell that to the those kids at Sandy Hook. You talked about Columbine, the one that broke me. And and, and, I, and I use the word deliberately. The one that broke me was Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook broke me. I remember when I heard that news, I was working at the time and a coworker came over to me and in very hushed tones said, Nick, there was a shooting. These young kids were killed. And my physical reaction at the time was, how can I describe it? It felt like someone had punched me in the stomach. I remember the air rushed out of my body and I doubled over. Uh, My mind was, you know, I had this connection, the, the pain, the fear they must have felt before they died, the terror. And the thing that broke me wasn't the tragedy. The thing that broke me was that nothing happened. Nothing happened. Thoughts and prayers, nothing happened. That's what broke me. I still feel the pain for all the loss, but the fact that our society is incapable of doing anything to stop this, that's what's broken inside me.
1: I feel like after Columbine, it was a talk about stopping the weapons, gun control. And I do think that is a big piece of the puzzle. But one of my passions also go hand in hand with gun control and mental health awareness. I don't know where the two come together. And I actually don't know that it's not too late.
0: I'm pessimistic about this i think it's too late for our generation i I think it might be you know this could be like reconstruction think about you know historically what happened to african americans after after the civil war they went through a hundred years of terror before a change took place and i think we might be in a similar situation with our relationship with guns in our society i've often thought about the gun crisis as a toxic stew or a poisonous cake if you will it's a comp when you bake a cake you need at the very least flour eggs sugar and water or something to mix it emulsify the, the the ingredients and i think our toxic stew of gun violence is similar you can take out the guns but it's not all about guns There is a mental health component, but it's not entirely a mental health component. There is an attitude, a callousness that exists in our society beyond a mental health dysfunction, because I think it's important for us to acknowledge, and and I hope that our audience, even if it's an audience of one, recognize that people who suffer from mental health problems do not typically go and shoot people. If your brother, father, sister, uncle, mother, whatever, has a mental health diagnosis. It's very unlikely that they're going to take a gun and shoot at school. In most instances, it's a situation, in the most extreme instances, they're more likely to take their own lives than to hurt other people. So I think we need to caution people from simply going, it's a mental health problem, it's a mental health problem, because I think it gives us a false solution.
1: Well, I think it's a mental health problem, but it's an unmanaged mental health problem. I agree. In terms of, I don't, And I shouldn't say, I feel that there's always warning signs with every mass shooter that the parents see. And I don't know how I would react as a parent and someone ignore, but I feel like in the last 10 years, we're more aware as a society of mental health, gun control, and symptoms that people should be much more aware of. And parents are still acting the same way and ignoring many of these signals. That's
0: possibly the case, but I can't believe that the United States is uniquely situated among you know approximately 200 countries in the world with mental health problems. I don't believe that's the case.
1: Who so, has the population that we do?
0: China, you know, granted, uh, India. There are countries with population, I think Brazil, that have populations on par with ours or exceed ours. Granted, there are different societies. In China, you don't have, you know, in 2008, the United States Supreme Court said that people in this country have a fundamental right to individual ownership of guns. And I think that changed the landscape. So I I think one of the mistakes I made was to looking, looking at the problem singularly. I think we need to look at it holistically. I think we need to look at it as, as I said, like this toxic stew that has brought about the crisis that we see in our country.
1: I, 40, almost 40-some years ago, was working at a fast food restaurant in the area I grew up in. And I was working with a girl that was signaling severe mental health problems. I went to my supervisor, manager, and said my concerns, and I said, I'm afraid she's going to hurt someone. And I was told that I was overreacting and acting crazy. That was probably 1983, 84. And a year later, she was the first mass shooting that I can remember in Pennsylvania and shot and killed people at a local mall. So not only did she have access to guns, she also, the community knew there was a mental health problem. And her mother was trying to get her help. But at the time, the institutionalizing of patients was changing because a lot of the mental health facilities were closed and have stayed closed during the Reagan administration when the medical healthcare system became for profit.
0: Yes, I I think, not to cut you off, but I just want to interject, as you're speaking, it just, it it feels to me, and and I'm very passionate about this, that if, if you single any single component out, you're going to miss the bigger problem you know, if you take the 30,000 foot look uh, perspective, our society is broken. And and I understand, but what would you do in that case? Would you call up some authority and say someone is exhibiting signs of mania or someone's ruminating about homicide? What would they do? If I it, if la- I
1: was, to, sorry.
0: No, I just want to say, I don't want to lay this at your feet, but you know, we're just trying to, as, as just regular folks, we're just trying to have a conversation. Yeah. I'm trying to understand what, what we can do, if anything.
1: In 1983, I said my piece, was told I was overreacting, and I moved on. And I remember sitting on the, in front of the television the night it happened, and I jumped out of my chair, and I said, that is someone that I knew. In today's world, yes, I would have called the authorities. I would have given her name just to be aware and start collecting data on certain person. There has to be a database that the mental health the police, everyone in the country, in the cities, all communicate to each other so that if a person, most of these mass shootings happen where the person lives, either they just go to school or they work there. It's not like they're going to other states and all this is happening. It has to be dealt with at a local level and everyone has to work together, as you said, holistically.
0: I agree. I don't know. I just, I just, I feel so discouraged. I think Go ahead.
1: No, go on.
0: I think one of the, the, the reasons I do feel, and I think I've articulated so many of those reasons is just, so for instance, um, you do put someone on a list that, a watch list, if you will, or a red flag list. How long do they stay on there? Do, do we rewrite the constitution? Do What do we do? Say So for instance, let's play this out. You, know, you had the resources to contact some legal body, and you reported this girl as being a threat to herself or other people, and she was denied access to buying a firearm. How long would she remain on that
1: list? In all reality, it doesn't matter. She can go, you can do anything you I want know. in this country. You can go buy a gun on the corner.
0: I know, that, that's it. That's a problem. I mean, it's. that's what I said. I think our society is fundamentally broken. And, and that was the point I was trying to tease out because if, if you want access to a gun, a friend of mine works in the Philadelphia School District, and I think this is perhaps apropos to your conversation. And she describes why there's so many shootings among young children in the Philadelphia School District. First issue is access. It's easy to get a gun. You can get a gun much easier than you can get your GED. The second issue is kids are afraid. And I think it's it speaks to the broader sensibility of this country. I think a lot of Americans are afraid. And I think beyond the mental health component, I think there's definitely an aspect of that that has to be recognized. But I'm not a religious person. I know you are, but- what, what a spiritual what, what, person. You're a spiritual person, I stand corrected. When do we make this so from, you know, for instance, people say to me, you know, there's evil in this society. I don't, that doesn't do anything for me. That doesn't tell me anything. It's, it's one of those labels that you can sort of fit anything into. But what's the difference between someone with a mental health problem and someone who's just so angry that they've lost their connection with other human beings so that they're willing to shoot up a school? Is there a difference?
1: No, there's not. None of these people have the same symptoms from one to the next. They have very unique circumstances that drive them to do what they do. I'd like to blame their parents. The shooter from Uvalde had to live with the grandparents that had the guns. I'd like to blame them, but at 18 years old, he has to have some personal responsibility.
0: Exactly, you know, I, I think you shared with me an article prior, many months ago, prior to this recording where we, there was a perspective that perhaps it's single parenthood single motherhood, single fatherhood, not having two parents in the home. So as a sort of bra burning liberal, you know, I got my hackles up and I looked at it and there's definitely a relationship, but is the problem? Is it a correlation or is it a causation? Should we start profiling single parent households as the source of mass shooters? How far are we willing to take this? And I understand these are all very difficult questions and I mean, it semi rhetorically but I'm asking them because I don't know the answer. I, I want to be a source of good and perhaps work towards a solution, but I just don't know what to do anymore, Marie.
1: Yeah, I think the solution, if there was going to be one, should have definitely started around Columbine and definitely by Sandy Hook. The red flag was waving and nothing has really happened since then. And it's been 10 years past Sandy Hook and nothing has changed.
0: And that's my point, you know, we talk about the assault weapons ban, you know, which was revoked, I believe, under George W. Bush, Baby Bush. And while- Did you say Baby Bush? Baby Bush, yes. Oh my God, I love that. As opposed to Papa Bush. Um, And and while many of these shootings have been conducted conducted using assault-style weapons, most notably and most infamously the AR-15s what's the difference between an AR-15 with a 30 round magazine versus you know a handgun with 13 rounds each and a guy going in there with two handguns you see what I'm saying like we, we we're we so desperate for a solution and I'm a, as I've stated before I'm very liberal as far as I'm concerned No one should have a gun unless you are licensed and well-trained, but I realize that's a fantasy and it's never gonna happen in this society, at least not for the foreseeable future. The problem is baked in, but we have this reality now. And so, you know, when I hear other people who are liberals say we don't need AR-15s, I'm inclined to agree with them, but also part of me has to be honest. I'm like, what's the difference between shooting, you know, some poor, innocent child with an AR-15 versus, you know, a nine millimeter handgun, you know, with 13 rounds in it. I look at Gabby Giffords. I think that shooting was with handguns, if I'm not mistaken. Agreed. So every t- it's, it's like those those executive toys. You know, as soon as you squeeze on one side, another piece pops up in an unexpected way and you never really get a good handle on the problem.
1: And what was a small wave is not a tidal wave that we're trying to run ahead of. And once the tidal wave is there, you normally get pulled under.
0: Yes. And I think another part of it that we have to consider is now we have a new established zeitgeist around guns, where we now live in a society where we shoot one another with automatic semi-automatic weapons. That's If you're gonna shoot someone, that's how you do it. If you're gonna conduct a mass shooting, you go and get yourself an AR-15 and that's the way you do it. You know, other countries when they have mass violent actions, I'm thinking of Japan or China, it's maybe some deranged individual with a a knife or a cutlass or something like that, because that's what they have access to. And that is sort of the, the mental schema of how you inflict mass casualty among innocent people. In America, You do it with an AR-15. How do you break the cycle? I honestly don't know.
1: Well, and also on top of that, it seemed that in the last shooting in they the police waited like a half hour to even respond. Because now even the police are afraid to go in for their, they want to save their lives first.
0: And also, you know, though, I don't remember the name of the specific Supreme Court decision, but police officers are not required to put their lives on the line for civilians. They're not. Um, There was a, there was a, famous case and unfortunately the, the name of that case has escaped me. But the expectation that police officers are gonna put their lives on the line to save you or your children, that is not the case.
1: And then even yesterday, Brett Kavanaugh had someone come to his house with guns and tried to, you know, he was there. he they, they they were able to get a hold of the guy and raided him. but he was outside of his house with a gun. He's gonna face federal years, 20 years in federal prison.
0: Marie, the guy actually called the police, if I'm not mistaken on the details. He called the police on himself. So that's how close Brett Kavanaugh uh, came to becoming the next victim of gun violence in this country.
1: So what is it? Is it is it everything? Is it availability to too many guns, which is a conversation that should have been had 30 years ago? Is it a mental health component and the decline of the mental health care in this country? which now that it's for profit, it's much more difficult to manage because if it's not making money, out you go. And is it the breakdown of society? Is it the lack of community? Is it the overuse of video games? Is it the two-parent household? The lack of, you know, I don't want to say civic rights, but being in a community together. Is it all of the above?
0: Yeah, I think it is. That's the uh, witch's brew that we have concocted as a society. I I really think it comes down to that when the politicians try to tease out individual elements and place it as the solution that's when you know they're lying to you because there are are other countries with a lot of guns and they don't have mass shootings there are a lot of societies out there uh, japan comes to mind with a lot of people with severe mental health problems you know suicide rates in japan are very high and i think even um nordic countries i believe um uh, Greenland has very high suicide rates. So, unless we're willing to grow up and face the truth that we have created this horrible, toxic brew in our society and that we may have to just deal with this for the next several generations and work incrementally to fix it, I, I'm just very suspicious of people with simple answers. I'm, I'm actually more suspicious of people who are saying hey, everything's fine. You know, I think it was uh, a member of Congress who said, well, you know, if we had banned airplanes after 9/11, uh, where would we be now? But it's when we construct these false analogies as to the cause of the problem that it leads us down the wrong track. And I understand if you're a gun owner and you love your guns and you would never hurt anyone, how threatened you would feel. But, you know, I encourage, you said something earlier, I encourage everyone to go and watch Bowling for Columbine, the Michael Moore documentary. I think it speaks to the incipient psychology behind the kind of violence that exists in our society that's unique to us. There's a unique kind of violent upbringing that's distinct to the American experience. And I think for those people overseas who don't understand why we're so violent in this country, watch *Bowling for Columbine. I think it offers an insight into why we are the way we are and the relationship we have with guns in particular.
1: And I keep going back to this, but I'm going to blame some of the greatest generation. They got out of the war. Things were really great in this country. And I don't think that generation, and I'm going to say the white American male, understood what was happening in the country. And by the early 1980s, when Reagan took over as president, he was 70 years old.
0: Yeah, and but America wanted Reagan. America wanted, uh, what was his uh, the tagline for his campaign, mourning in America? America looks back to feel good when things are difficult. Rather than leaning into the uncomfortableness of the difficulties that are at hand, we turn our eyes away and we look back, and that's what we're doing right now. This is why we have 20-something mass shootings since the shooting in Texas.
1: And I think the problem is, Reagan's running the country at 70. The next president is George Bush. They were men that grew up in very somewhat traditional households. They had traditional marriages. They, They were not exposed to what was actually happening in the country, A, because they didn't want to be, and B, people around them kept them away from it. So then 10 years go by that there's probably little flags that are coming up that something's changing. And like that generation did, they ignored everything.
0: Yeah. And then you have the political divide that exists in our country. You know, on one hand, you have liberals, people like myself who see problems occur. And we, our response is we're trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube. And then you have, you know, conservatives who want to take toothpaste away. So the solutions that we're offering to the problems are not viable solutions. And you're right. Our leaders are out of touch. I voted for Joe Biden. And I voted for Joe Biden in part because I was afraid of the alternative of voting for Donald Trump. But did I think Joe Biden was the best solution for the political problems that face this country? No. So it goes back to my original thesis. We concocted this toxic culture in which mostly young men are killing children, killing each other on the streets throughout America, in the schools, in the churches, in the malls,
1: just walking down the street. And somehow I think women are gonna get blamed for this.
0: Well, you know, you you are partially right. Uh, I don't know who the politician was, but after the Uvalde mass shooting, uh, I heard someone say, well, it's it's single parented and single parent, i.e. single mothers. And we can perhaps extrapolate further from that and go single black mothers, even though most of these mass shooters are not members of the minority community, but it's always easier to pigeonhole people that are not part of the majority. So yes, I do agree with that that it's a failure of women. You see, you cannot let women, you know, essentially run families or be in charge of their own children. You know, you need to somehow defer power to men and then this stuff would stop. We'll see about that. I mean, there are countries, I think they're uh, Scandinavian countries with higher rates of single parenthood. They don't have mass shootings. so think one of the takeaways of this conversation is I don't have a solution because I really honestly don't believe there is one, but perhaps we can at least recognize when we're being BS'd by leaders and politicians that offer definitive single answers to this problem.
1: So we really aren't coming to any full conclusion of what got us from zero to a hundred. I think it happened gradually and then it happened suddenly. And Sandy Hook was the suddenly.
0: Yeah. Sandy Hook, as I said, it just broke me inside and the death's pain me, but the lack of a solution. Think about this. We have on paper, some of the most intelligent people going to the best schools with amazing political experience running this country. And we have no solutions, not even an incremental solution to this problem. It's hard to accept that. So what's next? The next is the next mass shooting. The next is the next round of thoughts and prayers. This sounds really horrible. And I consider myself a humanitarian. I generally care about other people, but there's a part of me that's afraid that, not afraid, but thinks that nothing will change, you know, as much as I I would have said, you know what, if when young little white children start getting killed, then something will change. Well, clearly I was wrong about that. I don't know. Does it take the death of someone in political leadership to be the victim of mass shooting? No, because look what happened at the uh, congressional baseball game where Steve Scalise, who was the number two in the Republican leadership in the House of Representatives, was shot, could have died. And yet he sees no reason to restrict gun rights or take any sort of useful actions to prevent these kinds of things from happening. I don't think we have a solution. I think we made just, we've made a deal with the devil and we're just on the road to hell.
1: We're slouching towards Gomorrah. Yeah,
0: that's what it is. We're an optimistic people in the United States. I will agree with most people who would admit to that. But blind optimism in the face of real tragedy is a terrible solution. And I think that's where we are right now. We're whistling past the graveyard.
1: Thank you for joining us today on the podcast, The White Bikini. And thank you to my co-host, Nicholas Banton.
0: Thank you, Marie. And I'm sorry that I couldn't bring uh, a greater sense of optimism to this discussion. I, I hope like our mental health podcast episode, we can revisit this topic maybe come up with something that I can offer as, if not a solution, but as a useful topic of discussion so that we can get to a better place on this tragedy.
1: No, I I agree with your assessment. I think it's, we're gonna have a follow-up to this because unfortunately something else is going to happen. Just like we're gonna have one follow-up with the mental health, but this is the beginning of the conversation to start what's next. Thank you, Marie. Thank you, Nicholas.
0: Daddy doesn't understand it He always said she was good as gold And he can see no reasons Cause there are no reasons What reason do you need to be shown?